Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. Read this with me. Hold your Bible up high. This is my Bible. It is the living Word of God. It never changes. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I boldly declare, I live how it says I should live. I'll be what it says I should be. I'll do what it says I should do. And I'll have what it says I should have. And I will say what it says I should say. This is the day the Lord has made. Today I receive the miracle power of God through healing, finances, deliverance, family forgiveness. I will stand strong for a biblical nation. I will stand and pray for every nation. I will stand and pray for the nation of Israel. For I declare that we are one nation under God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you agree, give the Lord a clap offering. may be seated the Lord bless you next week is 4th of July you can open your Bibles to 2nd Timothy chapter 3 next week is 4th of July and uh, I'm going to be doing uh, the fourth part of this series uh, that we're the light of the world and uh, we're going to call that make America godly again we're one nation under God. We're going to have, we're, we're having barbecue and all that kind of stuff, right, right, guys? We're having all that stuff. So bring somebody and let's celebrate America being godly again. Amen? We, uh, um, the last three weeks, I've been teaching a series called You Are the Light of the World. And, and let me just say that because sometimes we quote scripture so much that it just becomes noise. You are the light of the world. You, you, and you, and you, and you, and me. We're the light of the world. And like we said last week, the only way darkness can exist is if there's no light. And so in a time when it looks like our country and it looks like the world is getting darker and darker, that's not a time to put a bushel basket under over our light. That's the time to let our light shine. Wherever we go, we need as Christians to come out of the closet because we're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and let our light shine. Amen? The first week we talked about as in the days of Noah. And what that literally means is is that for 120 years, Noah was giving a warning and people were not seeing the warning. We talked about a one-world government. You know, when the Antichrist comes, there'll be a one-world government, there'll be a one-world religion, and there'll be a one-world economy. We saw the testing of that with COVID when one little group decided we're going to shut down the world, and they did it. The only thing is, is that you could meet in the casinos but you couldn't meet in the church. And then, if you met in the church, you weren't allowed to sing out loud. Why? Because they know 
that God inhabits the praises of his people. Then we talked about in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, I debated, why why is this gay pride thing, I'm, I'm having a hard time hearing up here, guys. Why is this gay pride thing so rampant everywhere? You know, we talked about last week we have one day to celebrate George Washington. We have one day to celebrate Abraham Lincoln. We have one day to celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King. We have one day to celebrate our independence as a nation. We have one day to celebrate people who gave their lives so that we could be free. But all of a sudden, we have a whole month to celebrate gay pride. We have gay pride flags on our embassies all over the world. What, what, what is this? You know, I don't know about you, but when I grew up, you knew maybe one or two people that uh, thought they were gay. But all of a sudden, we're, we're, we're seeing thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are, well, you know, maybe you're, you know, when, when my granddaughter came back to school she, uh, at uh, 11 years old, one of her best friends says, well, I think maybe I'm gay. And that's not, that's not uh, a normal thing to be teaching children. What, what's the agenda behind this? Now, we talked about down at the Capitol when uh, Pastor Troy took a group down there and all the gay pride people showed up and we're shouting, we're queer, we're here, we're not going anywhere, but at the same time shouting Satan rules. We saw in Target where the people who promoted gay pride things for babies also promoted Satan products. We, we see these things connected and it's, well, we're just coming out of the closet. How big is that closet? I mean, that closet's got to be bigger than Tiz's closet. <laughs> What's the agenda? Can we pull up that scripture in Daniel chapter 11, verse 37? Do we have that? It says this. He shall, this is the, this is the Antichrist. And it, the whole thing of Daniel is talking about the Antichrist. Now look at this. The Antichrist, he shall regard neither the God of his fathers. In other words, he's going to be godless, right? One of the things that they're pushing is push God out of our schools, out of our courtrooms, out of America. Push God out, okay? So it says, the Antichrist, he shall regard neither the God of his fathers nor the desire of women. Now, I'm not sure what that means. I looked everything and it looks like nobody's touching it, but it's saying he shall regard neither the God of his fathers, nor will he desire women. So I think that's the agenda behind pushing, preparing us to accept a world leader. Now, I I won't accept a world leader because I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be raptured before this happens. And we want all of you to come with us. Amen? But just in the days of Noah, we need to be aware of the signs. We need to have eyes to see and ears to hear. So we talked about as in the days of Noah. We talked about in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Today I want to talk about as in the days of Baal, Moloch, and Hitler. 
Now, I taught on this when we were in Israel, uh, and I taught especially at Yad Vashem, the Holocaust Museum, where they have a, a museum where they honor 1.5 million children that Hitler killed. But I want to look at it through a different eye today. Read with me in 2 Timothy chapter 3, <coughs> starting with verse 1. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves. I want you to pay especial attention that in the last days. Now, people have always loved themselves. You, 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 you know, the great, the great Rabbi Hillel said, if not now, when? And he said, if I'm, not, if I'm only for myself, but then he said, if I'm not for myself. And so there's nothing wrong with wanting to take care of yourself, but this is saying something in an extreme, that in the last days, people won't care about their neighbor. They won't care about God. All they'll care about is themselves. They will be lovers of themselves. God ties it in with lovers of money. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control. What's the next word? I've written in so much. Brutal, despisers of good. Now you think about, look at verse 3, and I don't have time to teach all these things. Unloving, unforgiveness, slanders. Boy, we live in what they call the cancel culture. That somebody gets on social media and they don't like what you said and they will do everything they can to assassinate you. The cancel culture. You know, Pastor, do you really think that's demonic? Well, the God culture is they will know we belong to him and that we love one another. Look at verse 4. Traitors. Traitors against our country. Traitors against God, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness and denying its power. And from such people, turn away. Now, next week I'm going to hit on something on America, and I, it's, I can't wait to teach it. But we've, done, we've dealt with, as in the days of Noah, we've dealt with as in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. And today I want to deal with as in the days of, days of Baal, Moloch, and Hitler. The word Baal and Moloch are interchanged in Scripture. And without going into the difference, basically Baal and Moloch were false gods in which people were encouraged to sacrifice the lives of children. Now the word Moloch actually comes from the Hebrew word melech, which means king. But when you take the vowels out, the word molech, the one you sacrifice children to, is the Hebrew word boshet, which means shame. In other words, when you sacrifice children, God is saying, shame on you. But it gets stronger. Now, obviously, we're going to talk about the spirit of abortion. And Tiz is so loving and careful. She said, make sure, and, and we mean this, that if you've had an abortion, 
We're not saying this to make you feel bad. Anything we've done that's under the blood of Jesus Christ, we've been forgiven, and that's not to be brought up again. Amen? So this is not to make someone feel bad or, or feel guilty. This is to let us know what the signs of the end times are with the spirit of Baal and Moloch. In Leviticus 18.21, God's word says, Do not allow any of your offspring of your children to be offered up to Moloch, and do not profane the name of your God. I am. Do not profane the name of your God. I am. Do not lie with a male as one lies with a woman. It is an abhorrence. Now, it's interesting that in Leviticus, he puts together a spirit of killing children and at the same time a spirit of homosexuality, of lesbianism. And I don't have time to get into all of this. Uh, Jonathan Kahn talked, taught, taught about it a couple weeks ago when he was here. But many, many times, most of the time, if not every time, in the, in the temples of Baal and the temples of Moloch, where they would literally take children and sacrifice, put the child alive into a burning fire in the belly of the statue, they would also at the same time be having sexual orgies while children are screaming, having sexual orgies between males and males and males and women and women and women. Those things go together. This perversion of spirit goes together. Now, once again, we battle not with flesh and blood. I'm not saying this because we're at war with somebody, but we do battle with principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. And when you think about the mind saying it is not only accepted, it is desired in our country and countries around the world to sacrifice living human beings, we're no longer in our right mind. Deuteronomy 18.10 2 Kings 16, 2 Kings 23, 10, talk about children being passed through the fire. Psalms 106, 37, and 38 speaks about child sacrifice. Jeremiah 19, 5 says these words. They have also built the high places of Baal to burn their sons with fire as a burnt offering. And Jeremiah goes on to connect Baal and Moloch as the same demonic spirit. Now, we look at this and we read about this in, in Bible history, and not only Bible history of Israel and Cana, but throughout the world, this was very, very common. As a matter of fact, the sacrificing of children during a certain era is more common than we know, and it wasn't just accepted, it was demanded. 9th century B.C., the worship of Baal became so accepted, listen to this, that anyone refusing to join in the worship of Baal, sacrificing children, were persecuted, hunted down, and killed. In other words, if you didn't, if you didn't agree and become involved with the sacrificing of children, you became an enemy of the government. This is where the story of Ahab and Jezebel and Elijah the prophet comes from. 
Moloch and Baal associated, were associated with sacrificing of human beings, especially children, as the darkest sin. Think about that you would, to your God, sacrifice your child. This is the darkest of a mind that a mind can get. Molech and Baal, we think about this. Well, that was so long ago. People were ignorant. But I want to go from Baal and Molech to Adolf Hitler. Winston Churchill said of Adolf Hitler, and I thought it was fascinating when I saw this. He's, Winston Churchill said, Adolf Hitler is the evil of Molech. Now, how do we put Adolf Hitler in with Molech? When you go to um, uh, Israel with us and you go to Yad Vashem, the Holocaust uh, Museum, the Holocaust Remembrance, one of the places aside is where you go and see where Hitler killed 1.5 million children. Now, 1.5 million children seems like a whole lot. But I want to ask uh, JP, put up that number that we have uh, for abortions this year. Uh, okay, it's not fitting. In. Okay, there we go. Abortions this year from January to now. Now, we look at, at Moloch. We look at Baal. We look at Hitler. Hitler killed 1.5 million children. From January to right now, we have killed 21,513,205,6,7. It's counting down. Every number you see count down is right now, right now, as we're speaking, child being murdered through abortion. Keep that number up there. When you go to Yad Vashem and you see the number of 1.5 million people, you go, how can that be? When we were in Auschwitz and we did the March of the Living from Auschwitz, the death camp of Auschwitz, the Birkenau, a couple months ago, we heard the stories and we've read the stories that when the, when the trains would come into Birkenau, the, the women would get off the trains with a baby in their arms, newborn baby or a child. And they would say, well, we're going to take these babies and we're going to get them a shower. They've been in the train cars, stuffed in there like animals, where they couldn't move, they couldn't go to the bathroom. They had to go to the bathroom standing there. People would die in those, in those train cars and couldn't fall down. And so they're in there for days and days and days, no water, no food. And so they say, we're going to take the children and take them to a shower. And they would load the children up in a dump truck. The dump truck would head towards the showers, but there was a pit that was burning full of fire. And they would back the dump truck up with human living children and dump those children into the fire. Now we look at that and we say, that's demonic. Only a demon-possessed person would do something like that. And they did that over and over again. I remember when we first met Mr. Jacobs, who was a Holocaust survivor. He's gone to be with the Lord now, but he ran the Dallas um, Holocaust Museum. And he uh, survived the, the, the camps as a child. And uh, I said, I know you don't like to talk about it, but it, 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 this is so inhuman that people would do that he said he said i'll tell you one thing he said most of the time when the women would get off the plane off the train 
they would take the children, meaning just throw the child in the fire, just like they would with Baal and Moloch. They would throw the child in the fire, alive, right out of the mother's arms. But he said, a lot of times, and if a woman was pregnant, that she would go into the gas chamber because when Hitler, when they asked Hitler, why are you killing, killing the children? His answer was, because they are useless mouths to feed. In other words, they're too little to work. They can't accomplish anything. They're a, they're a, a waste to society. They are useless mouths to feed. Only a demon would think that way. Only a demon would think that way. But Mr. Jacobs said sometimes they would leave the babies alive or they would allow the mother to stay pregnant and keep her alive because they starved their dogs and they would grab a baby alive and throw it in to feed the dogs. Or they would allow the baby to be born so they could do experiments and cut the baby apart and, and uh, do experiments. One of the experiments we heard in, in Auschwitz, I mean, it was so over the top. And I don't mean to be gross, but we need to wake up to what's going on in the world. Where are we at now? Where's my number? All right, we're, we, we're at uh, 423, 24. It just keeps clicking. These are humans being killed. These are babies being killed. When, I, when you hear something like that, you think, how in the world could we allow that to happen? Pastor Troy, you know Pastor Troy is our... our, our um, uh, biblical citizenship pastor, and Pastor Troy sent me something. You know, planned parenthood sounds real good. Now, I know this is kind of gross stuff, but we can't be a light of the world and say, I, I just don't want to see that. We got to be a light of the world so we can make a difference. I want to watch this. It's a four-minute video, but I want you to watch it on the, on the beginning of Planned Parenthood. Guys, can we show that that video? This lady is the lady Birth who started Planned Parenthood. Birth control is not merely an individual problem. It is not merely a national question. It concerns the whole wide world, the ultimate destiny of the human race. In his last book, Mr. H.G. Wells speaks of the meaningless, aimless lives which cram this world of ours. Hordes of people who are born, who live, yet who have done absolutely nothing to advance the race one iota. Their lives are hopeless repetitions. All that they have said has been said before. All that they have done has been done better before. Such human weeds clog up the path drain up the energies and the resources of this little earth. We must clear the way for a better world. We must cultivate our garden. In 1922, Sanger wrote a book entitled The Pivot of Civilization. In it is a chapter called The Cruelty of Charity, where she blasts programs that provide medical and nursing facilities to slum mothers as insidiously injurious. In the same book, Sanger called for the cessation of charity, for the segregation of morons, misfits, and the maladjusted, 
and for the sterilization of genetically inferior races. She also argued that organized attempts to help the poor was the surest sign that our civilization has bred, is breeding, and is perpetuating defectives, delinquents, and dependents. The Birth Control Review was Sanger's official publication for the American Birth Control League, and in 1932, she outlined her plan for peace. The main objectives of the Population Congress would be to apply a stern and rigid policy of sterilization and segregation to that grade of population whose progeny is already tainted, to give certain dysgenic groups in our population their choice of segregation or sterilization and to apportion farmlands and homesteads for these segregated persons where they would be taught to work under competent instructors for the period of their entire lives. Sanger's admiration for the eugenics programs of Nazi Germany were well known at the time. In 1933, the Birth Control Review published Eugenic Sterilization, an Urgent Need by Ernst Rudin, who was Hitler's director of genetic sterilization and the founder of the Nazi Society for Racial Hygiene. In her praise for the eugenics programs in Germany, Sanger called for the implementation of such programs in the United States, specifically targeting African Americans. The following editorial was published in the 1932 issue of the Birth Control Review. The Negro problem is one of the most complicated and important confronting America. Whatever the ultimate answer may be, such an attitude brings to light the function of birth control as a necessary agency in its solution. The present submerged condition of the Negro is due in large part to the high fertility of the race under disastrously adverse circumstances. Thus, the question arises to what extent birth control has had a eugenic effect upon the Negro race. If any question should remain about Sanger's racist agenda, a 1939 letter she wrote to Dr. Clarence Gamble should remove all doubt. We should hire three or four colored ministers, preferably with social service backgrounds and with engaging personalities. The most successful educational approach to the Negro is through a religious appeal. We don't want the word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. And the minister is a man who can straighten out that idea if it ever occurs to any of their more rebellious members. A little shocking, isn't it? Now, Pastor Troy, stand up, please. He gave that to me. He gave that to me. And Pastor Troy is one of the boldest people to stand up what's wrong with our political system. Let me say this outright. Anybody who thinks they are better than somebody else because of the color of the skin, you could not be a more ignorant person. Because whether we're white or black or brown, we are all made in the image of God. When we look at the issue of abortion, you can take her face off of there. I can't look at it anymore. When we look at the issue of abortion, 
it ties right in with 2 Timothy 3. In the last days, amplified, we will be lovers of ourselves. There's a Greek writer that said these words, whenever they seek to obtain some great favor, they vow one of their children to Moloch or Baal, burning it as a sacrifice to the deity if they are especially eager to gain success. So when I did a study on this and I said, why would they do this? Why would they why would they bring their children and sacrifice those children, throw those, that, that baby that they just birthed into a fire? And the reason was for self-gain. They were told that if you sacrifice that child, you will gain personally, you will gain in community, you will gain a financial or a social reward for this. When I was reading this, I saw a scripture that, let me see if I can find it real quick. Deuteronomy 27, 25, God says, Cursed is he who taketh a reward to slay the innocent person. Cursed is he. And I started thinking about politicians. How many politicians will get up there and say, if you vote for me, if you put me in power, I will kill children. Now, we don't want to look at it like that because sometimes we're accountable for who we vote for. Now, I, I like teaching on prosperity and faith and glory to God, but sometimes when the darkness is getting darker and darker, we got to light the light and make a difference. Amen. Now, I want you to think about it. Someone who says, if you vote for me, I'm, I'm, willing, I'm, I'm pro-killing children. And that's what it is. It's killing, it's killing a child. It's stopping a heartbeat. I am pro-killing a child. Well, let me ask you something. If we were back 3,000 years ago, would you vote for a government who would put bail on the throne? Would you vote for a government who would put Moloch on the throne? Would you vote for Hitler? Then why do we vote today for someone who says, here's my platform, and boy, you, you, you vote for me because my platform is, and, and it, sounds, it sounds nice, pro-choice. What choice does that baby have? Here's the pro-choice, don't fornicate. Don't commit adultery. Now, I'm not lumping everything in. I'm not lumping everything if a woman was raped or something like that. That's, that's a whole different discussion per individual. I'm not, I'm not saying. I'm talking about we live in a society that it's, be, it's become easier to have an abortion than it is to use birth control. And we have to face this. And I don't be, oh, I'm, I'm never coming back to this church. Well... You know, it's like you go to the doctor and, and, and you go, man, it hurts when I do this. And the doctor says, well, then don't do that. Come on. 
We've got to understand what this is. We've got to understand what the Word of God says about this. But let's say we've got a politician up there, and that politician's, well, I watched this one thing. I won't even mention the guy's name, but the guy got caught uh, putting pictures of himself over the phone and stuff like this, this politician. And to gr- try to regain favor, this guy went to every every weird organization and marched with them and walked with them. And I mean, he would do anything and say anything to get a vote, right? So you're going to vote for this guy and this, this, or this lady, and her platform is, I am pro-choice, which means I am pro Killing children. Where are we at now? How, how many have we, we've, just since I've been talking, we've gone up six, seven hundred? A thousand? Okay. You know, how many, I remember a story I read years and years ago by Teddy Roosevelt. And he was on a ranch. I think he had a ranch in Wyoming or Montana or something. He's out there with his ranch foreman and he looks at, uh, at his cattle and he goes, Man, it seems like we have an awful lot of calves, baby, babies this year. And the ranch foreman looked at him and he said, yeah, I said, a bunch of them got in our land. I just shut the fence down and branded them. And Teddy Roosevelt said, you're fired. He said, what do you mean I'm fired? I, I just increased your herd. Look what I did for you. And Teddy Roosevelt said something that we all need to remember. If you'll steal for me, you will steal from me. And so if a politician will sacrifice them, he'll sacrifice you. And we've got to understand what this is. I can remember when we were in Israel and the little gal that was one of our tours in the other bus, and she let the people know immediately. She said, you know, my family's Orthodox. They're very religion, but I'm not. And let them know immediately. A really sweet gal, nice gal, really. And, and uh, she said, but I'm pro-abortion. And so as we went along, she saw that we loved Israel, we loved God. But when we were at the Holocaust Museum, and I said, we're going to walk in there, and how horrible is it that we're going to walk in to remember one and a half million children killed by this monster? But I said, look where we are in America. We look at Baal, oh, we'd never be a part of that. Look at Moloch, we would never be a part of that. Look at Hitler, Adolf Hitler. You gonna, anybody name their kid Adolf lately? But look where America is. You know, it's the frog in the pan. Back when I was born, you know, abortion was, oh, no. But then it got to be, you know, well, you can abort at a few weeks. I don't know how that was, a few months. Now in America, place in America, you can kill a child in some states, after it's born. You put it in a comfort room. And if the mother decides, I don't want this child, they'll stick a needle in that child's neck and kill that child. But it's in a comfort room. When Hitler was dumping those kids into the fire alive, they had music playing. A comfort room. So we've got to understand what this spirit is all about. They did a poll on asking mothers, and like I said, I want to emphasize, if you or anyone watching around the world has had an abortion, 
That's under the blood of Jesus. I'm talking about we need to stand today for children. Amen? Amen? But in ans ans asking polling mothers, why, would you, why did you abort your child? The answers were, if the child lives, it would hamper her time, her energy, her career prospects, her education, her future earning possibilities. It would be a burden to her aspirations. You know, an interesting thing in studying Baal and Moloch is that you would sacrifice these children to find favor, political favor, financial favor, cultural favor, you would, to, to move you up, the, you, you would sacrifice this child. But it's interesting, and, and I had this down before Pastor Troy sent me this thing on Sanger who started Planned Parenthood, that it got to the point that the rich stopped sacrificing their children and they would go into the poor areas and buy from a poor family one of their children and then sacrifice that child. And we've got to understand, as, as Jonathan Condon said, is that if we leave the door open, those demonic gods and their spirit will return. And, and in agreement, they've already returned, but we need to throw them out and shut the door and make a stand. The Bible says the, this, choose you this day whom you will serve. Now, I'm looking out at you, and most of you are in agreement. There's a couple of you who just can't wait to get out of here because what I'm saying upsets you. Or maybe you're watching, and you're, I'm going to turn him off, but i got to hear what he has to say. God says each and every one of us has to choose this day whom we serve. Now, we already showed that it's Satan that promoted Marxism, Stalin, socialist. We, we already showed that, that these guys hated God, and their own family said that they were followers of Satan, demon-possessed. We already showed that gay pride is, and we battle not with flesh and blood. I was a junkie when I got saved. I was a drug smuggler, a drug addict, uh, and uh, God took me as I was, so I know what it is to be forgiven. I'm off the streets. We battle not with flesh and blood. But it's one thing if I was a drug addict, and it's another thing that if I'm down at your kid's school trying to get them to be drug addicts. It's a whole different ballgame, correct? In one, if I'm a drug addict and you see me, you say, Pastor, there's a, uh, Pastor, Larry, there's a better way. Let me pray for you. If I see you down at my children's school trying to get them hooked on drugs, I will lay hands on you in rapid succession because that's a different ballgame. And we've seen where they are, they are promoting, we are followers of Satan. An abortion clinic in another state got shut down, and so they opened it back up as a church of Satan, and abortion is part of their ritual, and so under the freedom of religion, they can now do abortions. Now, I haven't been there. That's what I read. That's what I've been told. So we've got to understand each and every one of us, 
today when it comes to voting, who we're voting for, and I say this all the time, I say this all the time, and I know it makes people feel uncomfortable, but my job is to tell the truth. If I killed someone, would I be accountable to God? If I hired someone to kill someone, I'm still accountable. And so when it comes to voting, we can't vote for someone who says, I promise to give you something free, but I'm going to kill children. When we were in Israel, there's a valley that runs all the way around the old city of Jerusalem. It's actually in the shape of a shin, which means the protection from heaven. But at the end of the valley, and we tried to get in there, we didn't get to get in there, and I, and I found out later it's, it's, too, it's too private, but next time I'm going to go down there and film with the head of the uh, city of David. It's the valley in which uh, they found literally the spot where they were sacrificing children to Baal and Moloch. It's called the Valley of the Shadow of Death. It's what we call Gehenna, hell. It's the Valley of Hell. It's where Jesus said, Yea, though I walk through the Valley of Shadow of Death, I'll fear no evil. This spirit's not on me because greater is he that's in us than anything that can come against the world. Amen? And so um, we've got to decide, and, and I'm going to say this next... Uh, you know, one of the things in Second Timothy is false teachers. I'm, I'm, I'm accountable. The God says, "Be ye not many teachers, for greater is your condemnation." This is not my normal type of message. I hate this kind of message. I hate that I have to do this kind of message. You know, it used to be when I first got saved is, you know, the worst sin in the church was, "What kind of music are you listening to? Are you playing the Beatles backwards?" How many remember those days? Oh, for the good old days. But we, we're, 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 a, 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 we're a world that's waiting for the rapture. But I believe the last days, God's going to pour out his spirit with signs and wonders and miracles. I believe our best is yet to come. But we have to make a decision. Choose you this day. And as a pastor, I'm not just accountable for what I teach, I'm accountable for what I don't teach. He that knows to do right and doesn't, that's sin. And so I hate this kind of message. I hate it. It's not a shouting and cheering. It'll end up shouting and cheering, but while we're waiting for it, I know that it, it upsets people. But, but, you know, there's a terrible illustration. I, I've used it for good. I, for years, I heard it years ago. This little boy is holding the, his cat. And he's petting the cat. The cat's head's down here, and he's petting the cat like this. And the cat's going, ah. and And his mom says, honey, you're petting him the wrong way. He said, well, what do you mean I'm petting him the wrong way? He goes, well, he doesn't like it when you pet him that way. And he said, well, then he ought to turn around. <laughs> and, you know, if I'm reading something in the Word of God, and I go, mm, no, that makes me uncomfortable, it's because God wants me to turn around. Because he's come to give me a life and life more abundant. Amen? Choose ye this day whom you will serve. That's what he says. You choose who you're going to serve. The Bible says Satan comes to steal, kill, 
and destroy. Satan comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. On the other side, Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundant. So you have preachers or Christians or politicians who want to build their platform on what is satanic. I know that's not a nice thing to say, but if you're pro-killing an innocent child, that's not God. Satan comes to kill. God comes to bring life. Choose. You choose. You choose. You know, when I showed it this way, I got an email from that little girl in Israel, and she said, you know what? After that trip, I'm now a believer. I'm not, I'm now a believer because when you, when you look at it, you, and you think, oh, okay, so a baby's being aborted somewhere. How, how, how many are, are we up now? Huh? Since I started teaching 2000 babies, somebody's got to stop this. You know how hard it is for people to adopt a baby. We've worked with people of sending thousands and tens and tens of thousand dollars a year or two years to get a baby from overseas and look what we're doing so satan comes to steal kill and destroy jesus said i've come to give you life once again would you elect Baal? would you elect moloch would you elect hitler then why are we electing these people why are, we, why are we allowing judges in the Supreme Court that will rule and they'll say, you know what? Because I want personal gain and promotion, I'm willing to kill children to get that. The valley around Jerusalem, the land in Jerusalem is the most valuable land or one of the most valuable land in the world. But nobody builds in that valley of Gehenna. Because God said you cannot build a family, a home, a city on the blood of innocent children. Would you want a God, a government that says, I want you to sacrifice your children for me? Or would you want a God and a government that says, I love you so much, I sacrifice my own life for you? choose you this day it's pretty simple isn't it do you want to you want to serve a spirit that says i want you to sacrifice to me or do you want to serve a spirit and a nation and a god who says i love you so much i'll pay the price for your sin choose you this day to me it seems awful simple Somebody comes and says, do you want to be hit in the face with a baseball bat? Or would you like to come over for a steak dinner? I'm taking the steak dinner. It's pretty simple. Now, my Bible says, as I close, that as a pastor, if I hold back God's word because of the looks on people's faces, he will take that word, that anointing, and give it to someone else. My job is to teach the whole Bible. That's my job. 
My, my job is... My job is to be a, a pleaser of God and not a pleaser of man. Let me read three scriptures and I close. Deuteronomy 27, 25, once again, cursed is he who takes a reward for the slaying of the innocent person. Psalms 106, 30, 38 says, and shed innocent blood, even blood of their sons and of their daughters. They have polluted the land with that blood. Proverbs 6, 16 and 17. God says, these six things does the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and he who sheds innocent blood. These six things do I hate. You know, the Bible says you're the light of the world. I didn't come walking in on water. I came in and got saved. I came in a drug addict. I came in a dope dealer. I came in off the streets, the gangs. And Jesus took me as I was. It's a come-as-you-are party. But once you come, he said, now I have, some, I have some words that you can follow, and it'll get you to a better life than you can ever imagine. You know, I looked up the word in the last days, there'll be a reprobate mind. And I looked up the word reprobate in Hebrew, and there's several different, it means immoral, it means beyond reason, it means beyond sense. But one of the definitions of a reprobate mind was shocking to me. It means like a judge that's easily bribed. And I thought, wow. What if as a pastor, I only taught you what you wanted to hear? Someday I'm going to stand before God. But you know, the pastor is not just the light of the world. Every one of us is the light of the world. And the gospel is the good news. The good news. You know, there's a scripture that says, can a mother forget the baby that she breastfed? But God says, even if she does, even if she does, I won't forget. So let me throw this out. Maybe you're watching or maybe you're here. Maybe you've had an abortion. That child is in the hands of God. That child is safe. That child's wonderful. God, that's under the blood of Jesus. But we've got to understand that this last day reprobate mind, not even able to think right. It's not natural. You ever see, you know, uh, I spend a lot of times out hunting and, and in the woods and stuff. You know what the most dangerous thing out in the woods is? A mother bear with cubs. I'm, I'm not joking. If you see a bear, okay, you can back. If you see a mother bear and that mother bear has cubs, load up. Because that mother bear looks at you, anything that's a threat to those children, those babies, I mean, she will protect. She may be that big and some big boar, and she will fight that big boar to protect those kids. That's what's natural. You know, when I was thinking about this, I, I, I remember, I don't know if I ever told you that when our kids, Luke and Anna and Katie, were little and we were 
in Oregon. We were up in the woods, walking a trail up in the woods. And Luke and Anna were, how old would they have been? Six, seven, something like that. And they were down in front of us. And I was carrying Katie and walking with Tiz. No, no, Katie was between us. And Luke and Anna were down about 50 yards in front of us. And a bear comes off the hill. And, and there's the kids and there's Tiz and I. And in a blink of an eye, Tiz grabs me and throws me towards the bear. I swear, before Almighty God, I promise you. She didn't say, you got a gun, grab a stick. Sacrifice him to that bear. That bear ain't getting my kids. And when it was all done and everything, I thought, Holy cow, I know where I am on the totem pole. What? I was the, I was the sacrifice is what I was. She said I was the protector. Yeah, she, she didn't even think about me protecting. But that's human nature. And we need to believe that our country and the world will come back to what is natural. Of loving our God and loving our children. Can I have an Amen. You know, I know this is a, a horrible thing to preach, but is it okay that I tell the truth? It's because God loves us. Would you stand to your feet? And we're going to pray together. Jesus said, or God said in Jeremiah, and of course he's talking to the prophet Jeremiah, but he's also talking to all of us. Before your mother's womb, I knew you. Think about that. Before your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. The moment that child is conceived, it's given a destiny. That child is not because of its color, because of its neighborhood, because of its country. That child is not unimportant. That child is part of God's plan. And our job, maybe we're born in a country that has more finances than the other country. Our job is to tikkun olam, go into those parts of the country and make that place a better world so that all of us can fill our God-given destiny of joy and peace and a better life. Amen? Before your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, you were set apart. You were, I have something special for you. How many, how many have we gone up? Over 2,000? So in the last 40-something minutes, over 2,000 babies have been killed, murdered. I looked at the stats, and I can't remember when abortion became legal in the world it, and, and where it is now. And it, was, it slowly grew. And look where we are now. This is just since January. 21 and a half million just since January. So, Pastor, how can that be? I read a scripture in, 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 I think it's in Psalms or Proverbs, and it says, evil pursues iniquity. Iniquity is what's, what's in the heart. 
evil pursues. It, run, it runs after it. It chases it. We need to shut the door on evil. We need to shut the door on evil that's trying to take our children. Amen? I like every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. You know, instead of praying for salvation, look at me a second. Take your neighbor's hands. Let's pray for our world. Next week is the 4th of July. I don't have any money on me. But on our dollar, it says, on our money, it says, in God we trust. And you know what? That's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, has linked us up to the, to the blessings of Abraham being our father. I want to pray that our nation will become again one nation under God. This Wednesday, this coming... On October 21st, we're going to do outside. We got a big, huge stage coming in, lights and big screen. And we got all kinds of bands and preachers coming and stuff. On October 21st, we're going to do an outdoor concert. We're going to do a prayer, prayer and worship concert called Unite the Light. Just think if we all become that light. So the last Wednesday of every month, we're going to have a prayer and worship Wednesday. This Wednesday, we're gonna have our first one. The end of the next month, we're gonna have another church band coming in and lead us with our group in praise and worship. I don't wanna ruin next week's message, but if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, repent of their sins and pray, God will come and heal the land. We need to make America godly again, amen? Lift up your neighbor's hand. Say this out loud together. Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We've all sinned. But I know this. You love me so much. You sent Jesus Christ to pay the price in full for all my sin. Right now, I've received Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Now say this with authority. Satan, get out of my life. Get out of my mind. Get out of my spirit. Get out of my body. Get out of my home. Get out of my family. Get out of my finances. Get out of my future. Get out of my country. But I declare we are one nation under God in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now give the Lord a God bless America clap offering of praise and glory. Let me close with this in saying, let me close with this in saying, I do not want anyone leaving here feeling bad. You say, I, I've, I've had an abortion or, or this or that. That's not the purpose. I, I, I'm the chief of all sinners and I know what it is to be saved by grace. Don't let the devil bring that up anymore but we're gonna stand for a godly America and a godly home. May God bless us. May God bless Texas. May God bless America. May God bless the world. I read the end of the book. We're not going home with a moan. We're going out with a shout. I love you. Thank you for coming this morning. God bless everybody. If we haven't met you, come on down and let us meet you. Amen.